Good morning to all of you. There are a number of announcements this morning. I hope I don't forget any. <laughs> okay. Today we will be having our thank offering uh, this morning, so that will be t t taken at the time of the offering as well. Uh, also, uh, congregation, uh, we want to be thinking of the pictures uh, that you may want, uh, if you want your the pictures in the directory, and also if you've been the guests uh, frequently of the congregation, Chrissy would like to t take those pictures as well, especially if you're in the membership class and you're thinking of joining, uh, and she will meet you by the fireplace after the service to take those, those pictures for you so we can make sure that you're in the directory. Um, also, uh, we want to announce a uh, baby shower, okay, for the ladies here of Emmanuel. Uh, please save the date of Saturday, December 17th, okay, for a bridal shower. What's that? Did I say baby? Oh, <laughs> that will be marked forever in the chronicles of this congregation. <laughs> I don't have a clue what I'm saying half the time, Lynn. <laughs> okay, bridal shower. Okay, sorry for that. Okay, a bridal shower on December the 17th for Juliana Brown and her husband-to-be, Kenny. Uh, we want to uh, celebrate that, and so please... Um, uh, leave that. The details to that is yet to come. Uh, it is most likely going to be in the morning, in the morning, okay? They have moved. Uh, they were going to be married in the summer, uh, but in light of Lynn's mother and the situation there, uh, they have moved the wedding to an earlier time, which was going to be December 23rd. I got that right, right? <laughs> I'm getting better as I go. <laughs> so on the 23rd so uh, of December, and we will want to, as a congregation, please be in prayer uh, for Lynn's mother and that everything, uh, she will remain in good health to that time to be able to witness that uh, wedding. Okay. Also, let's see. Uh, other announcements uh, concerning the membership class will be meeting at about five to ten minutes after the service down on the uh, first, second room on the right down the hall. Uh, also, we need to be making sure that we need more participants uh, concerning the Christmas program. So, uh, please, all of you who have these hidden talents that you don't want anybody to know, you may now let those out and uh, please participate and uh, work for an evening that would be very enjoyable, I am sure. Okay? Let us come together in silent meditation.
Let us stand. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Let us come together and sing number 10, number 10 in the Trinity hymnal. that you are the one who showers your blessings upon we, thy people. And we ask, O Lord, that you would always lift us up before the throne of grace. Give to us your continual love and mercy that is poured out upon us in in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may our spirits be lifted by thy Spirit in holy worship this very day, in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Will, this morning I'm going to be reading from Jeremiah. From Jeremiah chapter 25, reading verses 30 through 32. 
Listen carefully to God's word. You therefore shall prophesy against them all these words and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high and from his holy habitation utter his voice. He will roar mightily against his fold and shout like those who tread grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. The glamour will resound to the ends of the earth for the Lord has an indictment against the nations. He is entering into nation and a great tempest is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. Let us come together in prayer. Our Lord and our God, it is dreadful to fall into the hands of your wrath and your judgment. You are the God who brings the judgment upon the nations in their rejection of themselves being image bearers of the one and only sovereign God who has created the heavens and the earth and all human beings in thy image. We ask, O God, that you would continue to be with thy church and with thy people as they themselves see your judgment among the nations. But also, O Lord, thou hast been the one who has made a promise even unto the nations that there are many that are in those nations that are going to be spared and are going to be spared by the love of you in terms of your covenant bond even unto Abraham and bring forth even in his name the nations and people from the nations to bow before your sovereign throne. O Lord, we're so thankful for your love and your grace that passes in Christ from judgment unto redemption. In Christ's name, amen. Looking at assurance of Pardon from Isaiah chapter 35, 1 through 7. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice in blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance 
with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstuffed. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool in the thirsty ground, springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. Think of that passage, even in conclusion today, of the message that will be preached later on. Let us respond by turning to 645. 645, remain seated and let us sing 645. come together in prayer.
Our Lord and our God, we are thankful that you have been the one who has chosen us. We have not chosen thee. Thou art the one who has poured out thy grace upon us. Thou art the one who has given to us the wonderful gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. Our hearts are directed unto thee on the basis of that thou hast satisfied our hearts, our souls, and our walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thy spirit as gift has also been poured out upon us to enable us to walk in strength in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in faithfulness. Most of all, O Lord, help us each day to rejoice and be thankful that we have the counsel of thy holy and infallible word that is placed before us. May our steps be the workmanship of Christ Jesus, who has determined even before the foundation of the world that we should walk in them unto that in which we are sanctified in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, that as we think in the things that are upon our mind at this season of the year, that we would lift up our hearts in thanksgiving, that we would understand the bountiful benefits and riches that thou dost overflow us with each day. We ask, O God, that we would be attentive to those benefits and we would be attentive to how thou dost care for us and watch over us each day. We think of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, how we are all thankful at this time of the year, as even in terms of where we live in the Northern Hemisphere, we are aware of the situations even within this country that, that many people may, even in the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, endure a time of suffering and anxiousness because they themselves do not have the means to heat their homes. This morning, O oh Lord, we want to lift our hearts unto thee and praise thy name for the diaconate ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in the churches that they would be very sensitive to the needs of thy people at this time. And so all the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can praise your name and be thankful for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that the gospel and that people who care 
and bear one another's burdens are sensitive to. We ask, O Lord, for the ministry of the church that it would go forth, that it would be attentive to those who are in need, and so that the church throughout the world can rejoice in this season of thanksgiving for the sovereign God who watches over us and determines our steps for us and graciously provides for us. We ask also that you would be with Leah Hopp. We ask, O Lord, that you'd be with her in her mission station at this time and where thou hast providentially placed her. We pray for the health team on that mission field and the efforts to teach in the primary schools, that the schools themselves would, know, would teach clearly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the children would come to that gospel and love the gospel of Jesus. We ask that you be with Chris and Sarah Drew in Grand Forks, North Dakota. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with them and that congregation. We ask that you would provide visitors and new families, and that you would grant also godly men to be elders and deacons within that congregation. We ask also that you would be with Pastor Drew as he manages his own time as husband, father of five, as pastor. We ask that you'd bless and watch over him through this time as well. Give him the strength to carry on his task of the gospel in that community. We thank thee for Charles Williams, and we ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with his congregation there in Corvallis, Oregon, that you would continue to encourage that congregation in their fellowship, and that they would grow in the wisdom and the zeal of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask also that we, as a congregation, would continue to be steadfast through this season of the year in terms of that which you have provided in abundance unto us, and that we would have the gratitude in our hearts of your providential blessings. We ask that you would continue also to be with John and Avril Huntsberger. We're thankful for their lives. We thank thee for their service to the Lord Jesus Christ. We also ask that you'd be with their family and also as they themselves are ministering to their dear mother, Kathy, through this time. Be with Kathy. Lift her spirits. Give her strength. Give her recovery in terms of her own situation at this time. We ask for continual healing upon the broken bone that she has. That she has. We ask that you'd be with John today in terms of the ministry at the Stafford Suites. Bless the work that he has prepared and that he, in his own service of the Lord Jesus Christ, to those who come and hear the gospel, may they hear it clearly. And bless those who come and also help John in this effort. We ask that you'd be with Jan Shreve, 
We ask that you'd be with her and strengthen her. She has had a tough week this week in terms of health issues. We ask that you would reduce the pain that she has in her leg and also in terms of her shoulder that she would have the, the exercise would be profitable in terms of her rotator cuff. We ask, O oh God, that, that if you can in your grace keep her from surgery and that the exercises would be good unto her. Continue to give to her the optimism and the encouragement that is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you'd be with Debbie Donovan and continue to be with her father through this time. We ask that you continue to bless him through this time as he gets involved in radiation treatments to make sure his airway is, 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 is kept open uh, through this situation of his cancer. We ask that blessing upon him and the continual good spirits upon him. Be with Debbie and their siblings. Be with Kevin as they try to encourage him through this time as well. We ask that you be with the Brown family continually through their own situation. We lift them up and lift also Lynn's mother before thee, knowing that thou art to God who sustains life even on this earth. And we pray that she would be sustained in good health through the Thanksgiving and Christmas season at this time, and that she would be able to have her eyes set upon this wedding. We ask that you'd be with Dave's mother as well. Encourage her through this time. Give them continual wisdom in terms of service unto her. We ask these things and place all these things before your throne of grace, as the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Congregation, let us stand and sing number 164. Number 164.
You may be seated. If you would, please turn to Mark chapter 7. Verses 31 through 37. Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Listen carefully to God's holy, infallible word. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful of the amazing power of our God. He is the one who is over each aspect of our being. He is the one who had enabled us from the very beginning as distinct from other species that he had created to be able to transmit that which is heard to that which is spoken. We thank thee, O Lord, that we have this morning ears to hear and a tongue to proclaim. Help us to understand. Help us to go forth with that proclamation that is so rich that comes upon the hearts of thy people. In Christ's name, amen. The text that you have before you this morning only appears in Mark's gospel. It does not appear in Matthew, Luke, or John. As I mentioned that, 
you should realize by now that this means it is going to teach us something unique within Mark's theme. That is, it has significance about the evangelistic message of the gospel of God, the good news going forth in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in which the kingdom of God has arrived in history. As we think about Mark's evangelistic theme, which also incorporates that Christ lives the life of the church before us, two points stand out in the text for our instruction here this morning. First of all, the geographical location, verse 31. And second, the ministry to the man who is brought to Jesus with a particular focus upon the problems of being deaf and having a speech problem, verse 32. First, the geographical location Verse 31, there is a lot of discussion by scholars about the geographical movement of Jesus in this text. Since this text only appears in Mark's gospel, we cannot overlook our Savior's movement here. It is integral to Mark's theme to review We were told prior to the meeting of the Seraphonician woman that Jesus moved outside the province of Israel into the exclusive, exclusive Gentile province. He entered the region of Tyre and Sidon. The barrier between the unclean and clean in the history of redemption is being dissolved. An unclean Gentile woman comes to Jesus who has an unclean spirit dwelling in her daughter and begs Jesus to remove the unclean spirit from her daughter because she in humility before her Lord understands interprets and applies Jesus' condescending comments as a test to her own unworthy person. Remember referring in reference to an unclean dog. Jesus immediately removes the unclean spirit from her daughter. Her story is a powerful revelation to us in the church that the gospel of the good news is for the Gentile also, not just for the lost sheep of Israel, as Matthew points out in his story about that narrative of the Seraphonician woman. The gospel will, by the authority and the name of Jesus Christ will go into all the world, cleansing those who are unclean by the all-sufficient blood sacrifice of Christ on the cross. 
Well, now in verse 31, Mark tells us that Jesus continues his journey and went through Sidon. He does not tell us anything specifically happening there in Sidon. Rather, he tells his reader that Jesus makes his way back to the Sea of Galilee, coming back into the region of the mixed population of Jew and Gentile, which has been a centerpiece so far of Jesus' ministry in Mark's gospel. But as he returns, we need to note that he moves once again to the more dominant eastern, eastern Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. He is once again in the country of the Gerasenes. More specifically, he is in the region of the ten Hellenistic Greek cities. The Decapolis. As the reader rehearses the path that Jesus is taking, specifically from Sidon to Decapolis, a theme that we have accented in Mark is exposed once again. Jesus will go through some significant wilderness country as he makes his way back to the regions of the Sea of Galilee. By this time, hopefully, we are clear about that. The wilderness theme in Mark points to the struggling life of the church in its pilgrim journey here on earth. Jesus lives that life for us. He endures such a life prior to the life of the church enduring such barren terrain. But so far, the wilderness theme has been accented in provinces that contain a mixed population of Jew and Gentile. But verse 31 is somewhat different. Here Jesus, a Jew, is in exclusive Gentile country. The day is coming when the gospel will go to exclusive Gentile countries. Where the apostles in the post-apostolic church will not take the gospel first to the local synagogue since the gospel will no longer go where a synagogue exists. Remember, we know from Matthew's gospel that the disciples were with Jesus on this journey recorded here in verse 31, but Mark does not mention them in our text here this morning either. Why? As we noted last week, Mark's focus is solely upon the work and the ministry of Jesus on this journey. Jesus, he alone redeems his flock from the curse of the fall, whether one is a Jew or whether one is a Gentile. 
the good news comes and it will go forth into all the world only by the authority and the power of Jesus. That's what Mark wants to place upon our minds. The disciples are still learning. They are being trained, especially since they still have, if we have accented in terms of the text itself, since they still have hardened hearts. Jesus lives the life of the church in exclusive Gentile country before the disciples and the life of the church will take up her own cross into her wilderness journey, which will last all the way until the second coming of Jesus. That is where we are right now. That's what Mark is laying upon all of us. We are in the wilderness. So it is. (laughs) Even the geographical path of Jesus teaches each of us an essential truth about the gospel, pointing and exposing what is in our hearts as believers. Is the life of the church, is the life of the believer ready, ready to live in a barren and hostile world to the gospel where Satan takes away the word of God sown. Where the word is sown in joy. But when tribulation and persecution arises, the joy dissipates. It goes away. Where, when the word is heard, people will not be able to give up their cares for the world and the deceitfulness of riches. You know where I am going here. You know what I am quoting here in terms of our existence here in the wilderness. Our life right now in the desert. I'm quoting Jesus' parable of the sower. And what happens to the word? When it goes out into the world. Yes, as Paul tells Timothy, in a sense, applying Jesus' parable of the sower be ready, be ready, Timothy, for the various seasons of the gospel, whether in prosperity or in. Poverty. Second Timothy 4 2. Well, 
as Jesus' journey brings him back into the mixed region of Jew and Gentile, Mark notes that he goes to the region of the Decapolis, the region of ten Hellenistic Greek Gentile cities. Mark is still focusing our attention mainly upon a Gentile population. Remember the last time Jesus was on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. His ministry was not viewed as very successful from the perspective of the people there. Although Jesus' action was a strong testament to his power and authority over Satan. Do you remember that last incident on this eastern side? Jesus casting legion into the pigs that were sent into the sea and drowned was not received by the people when Jesus did that. That action was not received with much joy from the citizens there for ruining their source of financial income. They begged Jesus to depart. But don't forget what Jesus told the man who was possessed by legion. After Jesus had cast out legion in the man, the man asked to go with Jesus. But Jesus did not permit him to go with him and told him to go home and tell his friends that the Lord had mercy on him. Now watch. Watch this. Fascinating. You are about to see, congregation, how the providence of God directs each forward step of the gospel. The man went home to Decapolis. Where? <laughs> Decapolis. And proclaimed. He preached. He was an evangelist. Declaring what Jesus the Lord and victor over Satan's kingdom had done for him. The people there all marveled. Chapter 5 verses 19 through 20. The people in Decapolis already know about Jesus. They already know about Jesus. Jesus left the country of the Gerasenes, where his divine kingdom work of mercy was not welcome. Only to return now in our text to the region of Decapolis, where the mission field was prepared not by the disciples. Not by the disciples but became plentiful by the sole evangelist who had legion cast out of him. <laughs> yes, this one commission by Jesus 
to be essentially the first evangelist to a dominant Gentile region, Decapolis, had a fruitful effect. Thinking of the parable of the sower. The last illustration of the fruits of the gospel going forth, bearing fruit in terms of the ministry, yes, from this man. And don't miss that his message was the full-orbed gospel of good news found in Jesus. He spoke of the salvation that is in Christ. He talked about the kingdom. After all, Satan in legion was cast out of him. And he could talk clearly about the restoration of both body and soul. Hence, as Jesus now appears in the region, it is not surprising that the people bring him a man who is deaf and has a speech problem. Verse 32. The description of the man is clear in the Greek. He was deaf. He could not hear. However, the Greek is a little mysterious concerning his speech. As you can see in the ESV, the translation there is speech impediment. And that translation could be correct. But the Greek word also can also be understood to mean the complete inability to speak at all, in which some English translations take that position. Well, whatever the condition, one thing is clear. He has a serious issue with speaking. Now, the people who brought him to Jesus, notice that, beg, plead, earnest requests, make an earnest request of Jesus to lay his hand on him. You may, I hope I have that in the outline, in terms of the verses in chapter 5. Remember in chapter 5, they begged Jesus to leave their area. Notice the play on the words. Now they're begging, begging Jesus. Those who have heard the gospel, put your hand on this man. Put your hand on this man. Obviously, the word has spread into Decapolis that if Jesus just touches a person with an ailment, that person will be healed. Like the disciples who, when Jesus removes the, excuse me, like the parables, when Jesus removes the disciples from the crowd, To provide the interpretation. Jesus on this occasion removes this man from the crowd to be by himself. He doesn't take the disciples with him. It is only Jesus in this man. Jesus proceeds with an interesting exercise here. He touches the man by putting his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, perhaps into his hand, the text doesn't say, Jesus touched the man's tongue. Then carefully notice Jesus' action. 
at this point. He looks up to heaven. He looked up to heaven. Only one miraculous incident, and it was the feeding of the 5,000. Chapter 6, verse 41. And we remember what happened that time, do we not? (laughs) The heavenly blessing was poured out upon five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 in satisfaction. Well, on this occasion, he looked up to heaven. He groans and speaks forcefully in the Aramaic language. Be open. And what happens? Immediately, the man can hear and he can speak. Although Jesus' action here is in private with the man, as Mark records this event, the reader is going to be presented with quite a revelation about Jesus. In the Gentile world at that time, there were magical stories about the use of saliva for medical procedures. Jesus' action into a dominant Gentile environment is telling the reader, Jesus is not a magician. He's not a magician. Jesus' ministry, do you recall, begins at his baptism when heaven opened. You got it? Already making connections? Heaven opened and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove and the voice declared from heaven. From where? From heaven. Informing us that Jesus is the beloved Son of God in whom his Father in heaven is well pleased. Well, his Father now authenticates how pleased he is with his Son. Indeed, he showers by blessing the 5,000 with sufficient food. And now the father authenticates his son over against the nonsensical magical stories of pagan culture. Pagan culture. When Jesus touches one's deaf ears, they hear immediately. When he uses his saliva and touches one's tongue, they speak immediately and fluently. It is a heavenly blessing invading the creation that cannot be matched by any pagan culture in the world. Now you remember, (laughs) this story is unique in Mark's gospel. It does not appear in any other gospel. So we need to comprehend how this story fits in the flow of Mark's narrative. 
Remember the plead of Jesus. Listen. Just one word he gives before the parable of the sower in Mark 4. Then we noted in 7.14, prior to the parable about what defiles a person, the phrase used by Jesus, hear me all of you and understand. In 7.14, Jesus pleads with the crowd, the disciples, that they hear and understand his words. But the disciples were still in a condition after they heard the parable of defilement to not understand it. Amazingly, however, the Gentile Seraphonician woman, understanding her humble, sinful condition before Lord Jesus Here's Jesus' parabolic comment about children representing Israel. The bread and the dogs, the unclean Gentile. And interprets it correctly in application to herself. And thus receives the grace and mercy of Jesus casting out the unclean spirit in her daughter. So now. As Jesus returns to the region surrounding the Sea of Galilee, he goes into dominant Gentile area where the man released from legion has been proclaiming the gospel. Are you seeing what is being illustrated in the man who is deaf and cannot speak clearly or at all? The man who was taken by Jesus to privately heal him, he himself becomes a parabolic figure. He becomes a parabolic figure. As the evangelist commissioned by Jesus preached, the people bring this ailing man to Jesus who will drive home the necessary message that will go forth into a dominant Gentile world. Only the divine power of Jesus can press the gospel into all the world. And what will be the response to the good news that is preached into the world? What must be the response of the heavenly blessing, divine blessing of the Son of God coming into the world? People need to hear and understand the gospel and they must be able to articulate the gospel fluently with words that come from their hearts. In the healing of this man by Jesus, God's providence is showing us that the gospel in Jesus is moving, is moving the Decapolis a basically Gentile culture, to have their ears open to the understanding of the gospel. They are ready 
for their voices under the conviction of the gospel to go forth with clarity and fluency into the world. And if you think, and if you think you're going to keep people silent when their ears have been open to the understanding of the gospel and their tongues open to tell others about the gospel, then you do not understand, as the text points out itself, the zealous love which true believers possess and treasure when Jesus comes into their heart. For what they speak with their lips will come from an internal testimony of the gospel in their heart. Is that your heart this morning? Is it? Keep reading in the text. As you can see in the text, even Jesus' command will not be able to keep them silent. That's interesting. This passage is Mark's forerunner, forerunner to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit will condescend upon humanity. humanity. Meanwhile, the messianic confrontation from what we read earlier this morning in Isaiah chapter 35, 5 and 6 has arrived now in redemptive history. Jesus has arrived. We have entered the eschaton, the last days of redemption, when the deaf hear. This deaf man is pointing us to our deafness, to the gospel, because of sin. This deafness is dissolved when true repentance and faith is exercised in relentless. Look into your heart. In relentless commitment. And love for Jesus. We also fail to realize. The effects sometimes. Of this glorious gospel. But we also cannot fail to realize. That we have entered the last days of redemption. When all believers whose hearts are convicted by faith in Jesus Christ. We have tongues to speak a coherent gospel message to others. You are able, you will be able, you are able by the Holy Spirit to say clearly what is in your heart about Jesus Christ. Is that you? 
is that us as a congregation and remember nothing is holding you back nothing to proclaim what is in your heart about Jesus let's pray Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful, of course, for such a glorious gospel that is found in Jesus Christ. We are thankful, O Lord, that he does open ears to hear and also gives to thy people tongues that can recite, can speak, and fluently declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, that our hearts would be set upon this heavenly blessing that is upon us by thy Spirit and that we would fear no one concerning the testimony of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. Bless each one of us. Solidify our hearts. Give us the cherished gift of Jesus in our heart that declares him the one and only redeemer for sinful mankind. In Christ's name, amen. Number 457, number 457, let us stand and sing number 457.
Our Lord and our God, we are grateful and thankful for all the benefits that thou dost give to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, that the giving that is given today unto thee, to the church, to the denomination, would be that which does fortify and strengthen the ministry that goes forth from the pulpits and through all the means in the mission field of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And we ask, O Lord, that you would bless these thy gifts unto thy, to thy people and to the world that in which it is given. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We will worship our Lord and our God. There are two offerings. Okay, the one is first is the general offering, as I understand, and then the second one would be the offering for the um, for the thank offering. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all forever. Amen.